You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, good morning. So my name is Carrie Gray, and I get the lovely privilege of being married to Josh Gray. And uh, I'm also a part of our adult ministry team here at Real Life. And before I get started this morning, I just wanted to thank everybody for all of your prayers, for checking in on our family. It's been an interesting six weeks, um, but it sure has meant a lot. So thank you. And uh, so this morning, I wanted to start off and have you think about something small that someone said to you or did for you that helped you find your faith. Have you ever just paused and thought, how is it that you have come to know the Lord? If you could look up its legacy, kind of like what people do with Ancestry.com, but instead of looking up your ancestors, you looked up your faith, and you could trace its lineage, where would it take you? How far would you go? Was your faith passed on to you from your parents, who got it from your grandparents, who got it from their parents? Or maybe for some of you, it wasn't family, it was a stranger that picked you up when you were a kid, took you to a Bible study. And then the next thing happened, and then the next thing happened. But where did that stranger get their faith? Maybe for some of you, again, it was someone just invited you to a barbecue. You thought it was going to be a great time, and the next thing you know, you ended up at a Bible study, (laughs) and then you ended up in a small group, and then you ended up at church. But again, where did they get their faith? Something had to happen to keep passing this on from one person to the next to the next. Where did you guys find your faith? Who handed it to you? We're in a series on harvest, and last week, Mitch talked about the preparing of the soil, and that's our part. How do we stay connected to the Lord so that he can clear out those weeds and the rocks that are in our soil so that we can have good seeds planted? And that's what I'm going to take us to this week, is because, you know, making the best harvest requires planting seeds, kingdom seeds. In Norway, there is a seed vault that was created. It was back in 2008 where they put this together, and it stores seeds of all different kinds of varieties. They're called heritage seeds. And these seeds are passed from one generation to another because they're considered really valuable. And that value could lie in its like flavor, productivity, its hardiness or adaptability. But again, it was created in 2008. It stores over two and a half million seed varieties. With each seed, there's over 500 seeds collected. So they have the potential of um, housing 4.5 billion seeds. It's a lot of seeds. And that What's interesting about this, too, is that the seeds represent every kind of country in the world over 13,000 years of agricultural history that's been stored up in that. And it was established as a hedge against global crises that could happen in the future. And the hope is that each seed contains a promise for future plants as long as the earth will last. And I was thinking how grateful I am that people will prep and prepare like this and hold up these seeds. I'm grateful for that. But then the more that I thought about it, I was thinking, 
You can house those seeds all you want, but nothing is ever going to happen unless someone grabs that seed, finds good soil, and actually puts it in the ground. Because a seed is a mysterious thing, right? There's all different kinds. You've got a, a kernel of corn, a grain of wheat, a mustard seed. Jesus talked about a mustard seed. In Matthew 13, 31 through 32, he told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his fields, and though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants, it becomes a tree, so that the birds will come and rest in its branches. You know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they talk a lot about the journey of Jesus. When he came on the scene with his ministry, scripture and history share that not only was he a powerful teacher, but he also made radical claims. Of the 38 parables that we have recorded, 20 of them directly communicate a phrase repeated over and over again by Jesus. Over 50 times in the book of Matthew alone, this phrase you'll hear will be like this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God. The kingdom is like. Thy kingdom come. This is the pronouncement. This is the good news that Jesus was trying to share with everybody that would listen. God's kingdom is here and now, and there's a new king and a new kingdom. And the pronouncement came with an invitation to the disciples then and to us now. Do we want to join him in this kingdom? So going to our story again in Matthew 13, if you could look in the audience that was listening to Jesus tell this cute little story, it's only two two verses, that's it. If you could look at their faces as he shared, because they're like, what is this? What is this new kingdom? What does this look like? And as he shares the story, you would see different facial expressions that would show up. Someone would listen to this and look back at Jesus and be completely confused. Some would look and be like, that's nonsense. And we're going to get to that. I'm excited to share about that. Someone would hear this story and they would be like, highly concerned. And some would hear with the story and they would be excited because there's rebellion talk in these two little verses. And why Rebellion. For centuries, the Jews have been waiting for a promised savior, a Messiah, right? Someone that would rescue them from the foreign persecutions and the oppression that they received from other uh, rulers. And at the time of this particular story, the current king is Caesar, and the current kingdom is Rome. And how Rome rules, what Rome wants, Rome takes, right? Power, might, force, and fear. That is how they rule. Jesus begins to share with the disciples that there's a new king and a new kingdom. It's unfolding right in front of you. And he's looking at his disciples and he's like, would you like to know what your part is and how to advance this new kingdom? And if I was there, I'd be like, yeah, let me, what is it? Let me know. Well, a good teacher, a good rabbi, and Jesus was. They know how to teach 
to get the most out of their students. With a seed, germination is what happens when a seed wakes up. And there's certain things that will trigger a seed's growth, like water, warmth, good soil, right? So, just like a farmer, a teacher has the opportunity to plant a seed, an idea in their student's mind, in a way that will trigger a student's growth. One of the ways Jesus woke up his students was by telling them stories or parables. And the answers to their questions were tucked in these stories. His students are asking, please tell us about this new kingdom. Tell us how to engage it. Tell us how to live. And so again, I want you to listen. Here's a story. He says in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. And though it's the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Two verses, that's it, go and learn. Can you imagine for them the unfolding, the unpacking of this story? This is how Jesus is sharing what the kingdom is like. So I want to zoom in on this story just a little bit. What, are, what can we learn from it? Well, the first thing is that the kingdom of God starts small and it grows into something great. This story is about a seed, but not just any seed, right? What do we hear? It's the smallest and tiniest of all seeds. It's just tiny, tiny. It's so tiny that hundreds, even thousands, can fit in the palm of your hand. The kingdom of God doesn't come with a large crash Military power, fire and might, throw the curtain open, here I am. That is not the way that God's kingdom works. It starts incredibly tiny. It's tiny acts of kindness. It could include letting someone merge in traffic. Not always easy. It could be leaving a kind note for a colleague It could be holding the elevator for someone, maybe picking up trash that isn't yours. It could be simply asking someone how their day is. These small acts, they seem insignificant, but they can have a big impact on brightening someone's day. You know, for my personal journey, I've learned to just be inquisitive. Just being willing to ask questions and to lean into someone's story, that is impactful. It's kind of fun, too, because you can hear more about people's journeys and maybe how God's working in their story. The second thing, context that we often don't have as a reader, but Jesus' original listeners would, is the information about a mustard seed. And I'm guilty. I've read this before, and I hadn't really looked up what a mustard seed is. And so I find it super fascinating what you can uncover. Because it said that there was a farmer who grabbed a mustard seed, and he planted it in his field. And again, the original listeners, when they heard this, they'd be like, that's crazy. No farmer would ever put a mustard seed in his field. In their world, the mustard seed is a weed. 
It can, you cannot get rid of it. Once it starts in your field, you can burn it, you can poison it, you can dig it up, you can do whatever you want to the seed, but you cannot get rid of it. I've been told that the root system is so immense in these mustard seed plants and complicated and intertwined that there is nothing you can do to stop its growth. So for us in the Pacific Northwest, maybe it might be like hearing a farmer around here say, I'm going into my field and planting Canadian thistle or <laughs> ragweed. And you'd be like, what? That's kind of the point. Because when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted a mustard seed, he's saying that the kingdom of God is counterintuitive. It's small, it's nonsensical. The world will look at it and be like, what are you doing? It would get attention and it would demand a question. Small acts of kindness that go against the grain of modern culture could include forgiveness versus retaliation. It could be stopping rumors versus joining in. It could be a handwritten letter or card. It could be quality time without digital distractions or actively practicing patience in a really fast-paced world that we're living in. These gestures stand out in a society that's often focused on convenience and speed. And they can create meaningful connections and moments of reflection that are increasingly rare. The third thing, the kingdom of God is unstoppable. Just like our little mustard seed, Jesus is doing things counter to what the world says. He's asking if we will listen to his teachings and his directions, he will bring an unstoppable force that will advance the kingdom of God. Will you partner with him in this? He said, my method's going to look very different but the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. And this could be like complimenting someone sincerely. It could be a genuine smile when you see someone. These small acts of kindness, they have a natural, unstoppable quality. These actions require minimal effort, but they really do brighten up someone's day, don't they? These small acts create an ongoing positive chain reaction. It could be as simple as bringing a meal to someone. I remember when um, we had two little kids. Josh was in insurance sales. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had a little toddler and a baby, and then the neighbors next to us that we met, they also had a little toddler, and the mom just had a baby, And right after that, she was hospitalized with a severe illness. She was in the hospital for months. And this dad was trying to take care of this little tiny toddler, this brand new baby, work a full-time job, visit his wife. They were drowning. And I remember us talking with our small group. And we said, you guys, would you be interested in putting a meal train together and to take meals to this family? And they were all in on this. And so we took meal after meal after meal. And I remember going one time with this meal up to him and him just taking the meal and standing there and looking at me. And he was like, why 
are you doing this? And I just said, because we care. We love you. Our God cares, so we care. Our God loves, so we love. We're not called to plant mustard seed, but seeds of love and mercy. This is the message we plant. In Matthew 22, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself because all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Kingdom seeds are loving God, loving your neighbor, loving yourself. Small acts of love are the gospel message that we, that will take over the world and advance the kingdom of God, his rule and his reign. Now there's one more treasure bearing this cute little story that I want to share with you. In verse 32, it said that it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. I did not know this, but the mustard plant and the tree, those are two different species. The listeners of that time, they would pick up on this. One is a bush, a spreading shrub, and the other is a tree, not a large tree. They're not the same plant. A shrub never becomes a tree. And yet Jesus says that this little shrub, it will become a tree, and it will be a blessing so that the birds can come and rest in it. This little shrub will be a blessing to whoever comes around it. And this is a hint that's buried back to a treasure hidden in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 17. Do you guys remember two weeks ago when we were talking, uh, when Adam was sharing about the sword of the spirit and how knowing God's word is super helpful in fighting against the enemy and the lies that he wants to put in your minds? Knowing God's word is also super fun because you can find buried treasures hidden within the text. The original listeners, when they hear this about the birds and the beasts resting in the branches, this sounds familiar to them. There would be phrasing that they would hear like seeds that had been planted in their mind and when it was mentioned, it would trigger an opportunity for growth. One of the connections that you would hear is to this prophet Ezekiel. He's a prophet that's been given a vision and God's people are represented by a tree and during this time, they're in captivity and it doesn't seem like they're going to make a huge impact on anything But God shares with them. He says, I'm going to take them and I'm going to transplant them and they're going to be a tree that grows. They may seem lonely, but it will grow and become a gigantic tree so beneficial that the birds and the beasts will come and rest in its branches. The birds and the beasts are represented to other nations. Isn't it fun what you can dig out of these little stories? Parable after parable, they're available. But it can highlight again, this little story highlights again what God can do 
God can do whatever he chooses to do. How many times do we read over and over again that God does things that don't make sense? Using people that don't make sense. Just like fishermen being invited to be disciples, right? Jesus says, you are qualified. I can use you. You are gifted. Will you follow me? It's through small acts that we can change the world one seed at a time. God says that if you allow me, you're going to grow into an incredible tree. You're going to remember and do the mission that I sent you to do, and you will be a blessing to all nations. Jesus is suggesting generosity and love towards others. Those who don't have hope, been trying the world's method, Rome's method, and still finding themselves empty on the other side. Jesus is suggesting generosity and love towards the outsider. Kindness, love, hospitality. It's repeated all throughout the scriptures. If you think about the story of Abraham, if we go back to Genesis 18:21, or somewhere in there, Abraham, who as we know when we start reading this, Abraham's old, right? He plants a tamarisk seed. Now, a tamarisk tree will grow only about an inch every year. And if Abraham is pretty old, how long is it going to be before he can actually enjoy anything from this tree? He plants this tree as a signal and a blessing to others, praising God, but he also wants it to be a blessing to future generations that come along. Because even though he probably wasn't able to rest in the shade of this tree, he still planted it as a testimony to who God was and that others would rest in the shade of this tree. We are resting in the branches and the shade of faithful people that have gone before us. Think about the story of how God took his people out of Egypt and he transplanted them as a tree that they would give shade to all the other nations. That's why he put them at the crossroads. They were planted in a desert world. They were supposed to give shade. Shade is a very powerful image. A tree planted can offer shelter from a storm and rest from the heat of the day. And on one hand, God is supposed to be our shelter and shade. But sometimes, God is going to provide shade through his people. We can plant kingdom seeds of kindness. We can be shade and relief. We are his representation, the ones who get to go out and be that tangible evidence that God exists. God's responsible for the growth. We are responsible for planting the seeds Seeds that wait in storage cannot blossom and bear fruit. Seeds should never wait idly in storage. They are for planting and bearing fruit, not for rotting in dark places. A farmer knows that nothing is going to happen until he plants the seed. 
the kingdom of heaven are these small counterintuitive movements that are unstoppable. They start small, but they have incredible potential. What are the tangible things that you can do to plant a seed? So remember, the first thing is, though, is we get to be fertile, good soil, right? That's the first thing that we talked about. We need to accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior and as our King. We can make sure that we are doing our part, connecting with the King, allowing Him to clear the fields and rocks and weeds of our soil. We get to spend time with Him. My friend calls it, she says, it's not quiet time, it's priority time. We can be open to being changed and molded by him. And we can be around a good community that can plant seeds in our soil. That is why we talk about life groups so much here at our church. Second, we can be willing to be a tree that offers rest to a weary world. We can help someone else become good soil. We can help clear another's field. We can plant kingdom seeds by sharing the gospel. And we can show the kingdom by bringing peace, eliminating strife, hopelessness, and fear. We get to be a refuge to the poor, and we can make friends into st- or strangers into friends. Mother Teresa has a quote. She says, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy. This one has gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. She is remembered for little acts of kindness, one after another, that impacts the world and left a legacy. The kingdom of God The kingdom seeds bring mercy, compassion, forgiveness, and they're generous. And I'm learning that I don't have to have all the answers to all the trials that are out there in the world, and neither do you, (laughs) okay? We just need to learn that just by showing up and offering just enough shade to allow someone to maybe take their next step is maybe all that's required And I know for myself and my family, that's exactly what has happened over these last six weeks. Little shades that offered relief. Sometimes a kingdom seed is a simple invitation to others to come with you. Talking to people about Jesus does not have to turn into a hard sell. Okay, spiritual invitations, they are persuasive. But they're also hospitable relational and compassion or compassionate your friends and acquaintances they do need to hear about Jesus those are the planting of kingdom seeds just like Jesus just tell the story don't get discouraged if people refuse your invitation, because their refusal is still an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation. And a no today could be a yes tomorrow, right? In Matthew 25, we get a glimpse at the end of the story of someone who's considered righteous. 
this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And they say that the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger or invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of the brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. We're going to go to communion here shortly. But first, all throughout Jesus' ministry, he modeled for us what it would look like to advance God's kingdom. The servant ministry of Jesus involved small acts and large ones, and the biggest one he ever did was going to the cross. He died, he was buried, and on that third day, he rose again. He trusted the Father's plan. He overcame sin and death. They no longer get the final say, and our friends need to hear this. Where selfishness, greed, pride, idolatry oppression and hate were taking over the world, God said, that was never my original plan. His plan involved love, forgiveness, mercy, healing, help, peace. Where sin brings death, believing in God brings life. Jesus is bringing heaven and earth back together, restoring all things and with it, the opportunity to yield a different kind of harvest. John twelve twenty four says, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So with that, let us remember the night where Jesus met with his disciples. It was an incredible act that he did for us. And so the night that he was betrayed, he took this bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take. The kingdom of heaven is this small acts of radical hospitality. They start small. They're counterintuitive to the world. They don't make sense. 
but it will offer relief and shade and rest to others. These acts are unstoppable. And just like a heritage seed from a plant that's been passed from one generation to another, so is our Christian faith. It's carefully grown and saved because it's considered valuable. We get the opportunity to pass on our heritage from one generation to another in the way we speak and in how we live. Because just like each seed that is unique and brings its own value, we get the opportunity to partner with God and how he's worked in our lives uniquely to spread the gospel message through small acts that are considered holy. Remember, even if you put a seed upside down, it will still seek the sun. Even if you put a seed in upside down, it will still seek the sun. People are God's method of spreading the gospel message. While we may not see immediate results for our efforts, the gospel will bear fruit in the Lord's time. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity out of a little tiny story that, God, you could reveal so much to us. God, you are the source that we all desperately seek. Father, I pray as we submit ourselves to you, Lord, as we lean into your falling in your direction, Lord, that you will turn us into good soil. God, as we look around at the people in front of us, Father, God, that you would show us how to be shade and relief to other people. Maybe how we can help clear another's field. How can we bless another? God, I thank you again for the opportunity of being able to talk about you. To be able to share that with others. Thank you, Father. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.